Reading from the New Living Translation, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 20. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God. To God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I ask God's blessing on the reading of his word. Thank you, Jane. So we've been, uh, we've been covering Ephesians for the last several weeks. I think this is week six on this uh, wonderful letter that came from Paul to the churches in and around Ephesus. Uh, and uh, it is a practical letter. It really, it really helps. It's addressing young Christian communities who are struggling. Uh, there's some struggling that's going on internally. That is, they're not getting along. They must be Baptist, right? Uh, they're not getting along with each other, and they're fighting in within the church, and they're struggling uh, on being together and deciding on things together. But there's also some outside uh, difficulties that they're having as well. Uh, this is a church that uh, these churches are beginning to feel the, the clench of persecution uh, coming on. Now it's not the full-blown stuff that Nero starts doing. Uh, they're not throwing Christians to the lions yet, uh, but they are being kind of f- forced out of the synagogues and pushed to the perimeters of normal Jewish society. And that has, uh, has left them feeling a little ostracized in many communities. You see, after the destruction of the temple, there formed a rift between the Jews and the Christians. And we see, we see that starting to play out in some of these early, early uh, churches. And uh, uh, some of the persecution gives rise to a lot of ideas that become comforting. Uh, it's difficult to really read and understand the book of Revelation without understanding that this comes from a persecuted people who have been pushed to the margins, who are being kicked out of normal society and are being looked at strangely. In fact, the, the early Christians were called atheists by the Romans because they refused to worship the Roman gods. And so the Romans looked at them and said, those are atheists, they don't believe in gods. <laughs> Which is kind of bizarre to think that uh, the Christians were viewed as atheists in their earliest inception. So Paul is trying to gird up this community and help them survive uh, persecution outside the church as well as uh, deal with the internal struggles. And Paul points to how you can live out your life will directly uh, affect how these outside pressures come into your own 
personal situation. Be careful how you live. Not be wise. Don't be dumb. Be wise. And, and uh, you know, it's interesting. He kind of points out some obvious things, but they bear repeating. Kind of like, you know, when my mother says, be careful uh, going out the door. It wasn't as if I had planned on not being careful or, you know, had my mother not told me to drive carefully, I would have been all over the place just being all crazy. <laughs> but it, it, it's nice, though, to, to show you care by saying, you know, be careful. I think Paul is kind of saying that same thing. Don't be foolish, uh, but understand what the will of God is. Don't get drunk on wine, because as the New Living Translation says, that it'll ruin your life. It'll ruin your life. Now, I know some of you are saying, well, wine is, not getting drunk on wine leaves a lot of options. <laughs> right? There's a whole, there's a whole list of uh, things. That I think what he means is, you know, don't ruin your life through giving it over to some addiction or something that's going to be on your bed. What, what, what I understand about these things, for anyone who's ever been through the struggle with something having that kind of control over you, like alcohol or drugs or some other addiction. Uh, and what Paul seems to be saying here is, don't let that thing do what the Holy Spirit is supposed to be doing. Don't get drunk on wine. Get drunk on the Holy Spirit is really what he's saying. Let Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be filled with wine. If you're struggling, if you're having problems, if you're under persecution, if you're having difficulties in your life, don't hand control of your life over to the bottle. Hand control of your life over to the Holy Spirit. That's really what Paul is kind of getting at here. And, uh, and then he goes on to say, how to do that. Sing some songs and hymns, spiritual songs among yourself. Do what we're doing here in church. Make a melody to the Lord in your hearts. In fact, this is exactly what I tell you all the time. Paul, Paul is quoting me, as a matter of fact, on this. Is that when you are, when you are feeling low, when it feels like the whole world is caving in around you, when it feels like the, when it feels like you don't have a friend in the world, when you're hanging on to that last bit of rope, the la it, 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 what I find unusual is that pe the last thing people want to do is go to church and be here in this place. And yet, if you trust me and you trust Paul and you get yourself out of bed and you come, you are blessed. Amen? You are blessed. How many times have I told you that? When you are feeling at the lowest... That's when you really need to go to church. <laughs> because these people will love on you, will pray on you, will sing some songs, will stir up that Holy Spirit. Even if you don't, you, you think you don't want to. But the minute we start singing, all of a sudden the Lord puts that, your favorite song on the list. And you're singing your favorite song. You're going to be like, there you go. I knew, I, 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 I'm glad I was here. I'm glad I was here. You will be blessed. That's kind of what Paul is getting at here. Go and absorb yourself into the Holy Spirit. Get, get, get lifted up, get girded up by that Holy Spirit. And you won't need to get drunk on wine or vodka or anything else. Or turn to those other things because the Holy Spirit will be doing that job. Amen? Amen. And, and as I've said before, uh, this church is under persecution. And, then, and this is where 
it gets a little difficult. Paul here says, Give thanks to God the Father at all times and for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now this is where, this is where I'm kind of like, okay, Paul, you know, up till now you've been very practical. <laughs> this is something I can really do. But give thanks at all times for all things. Come on. You know, quite frankly, there's a lot of times I'm not very thankful. I'm not thankful. Uh, I, I'm not giving thanks. And again, I'm sure these folks felt the same way as they experienced this persecution. Uh, and the persecution becomes intense. The, the choice to be followers of Christ at the beginnings oftentimes meant the loss of their, their childhood faith. Oftentimes meant they, they were leaving the synagogues or they were kicked out of the synagogues because of this new belief they have. And eventually that becomes uh, a real persecution, particularly in Rome when Nero starts accusing the Christians of certain things and they start feeding them to the lions and, and doing other things and arresting them. For an oppressed people, being able to hang on to something positive becomes crucial to survive. And I think that's what Paul is offering us here. Being able to say thanks, even in the midst of persecution, becomes important. And as persecution becomes more intense, the hope to which Christians cling often becomes even more grand. Again, think of Revelation, which has God entering into the world in a very dramatic uh, in a very dramatic way. African slaves in the United States had a unique understanding of this concept. Many a slave owner in their writings noted the joy of the slaves they held in captivity, singing and dancing after a day of backbreaking work. Most of these people writing this pass this off as ignorance on the part of slaves, thinking the African too stupid to know that they were oppressed. But of course they were wrong. The reality was that their joy was a subversive act of resistance. The African slave's joy was a subversive act of resistance. They refused to let the white slave master deny them their spiritual and social joy. And I can guarantee you that frustrated some of the white folk. <laughs> Furthermore, they grounded their joy in the hope of what tomorrow could bring, sometimes having to look so far as to the day when they went to heaven and finally lived in the freedom that Christ promised. In other words, their reflection, their joy was a reflection of the freedom they felt in Christ no matter how many shackles were on their body. In this instance, giving thanks in all things was an act of resistance, not allowing the slave master to enslave the spirit. Amen? Amen? <laughs> the notion of gratitude as resistance is an intriguing one that seems to make sense, actually. It allows the victim to cease to be victimized. It allows a person to hold on to and hold back 
a part of themselves even when they are not in control of what happens to them physically. And it denies the perpetrators of evil their ability to steal joy. So perhaps this idea of giving thanks in all circumstances and in everything is starting to make a little bit of sense. When I think of of how much control that gives the individual, how much freedom that gives the person who's under the thumb of some persecution or who is being oppressed or is being victimized. Another way to look at this mandate to give thanks in everything is to recognize the old adage, what doesn't kill you only makes you stronger. Paul suggests this in Romans saying, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given unto us. Recognizing that making it through our most difficult struggles develops our strength, character, hope, and courage, makes giving thanks in all things a valuable tool in our growth. I got to tell you, I'm sure you know this, living in Utah is not at all like living in Seattle, where I just came from, uh, strangely enough. It's, uh, it's very different. You know, in Seattle, and, and being a minister in Seattle is very different from being one in Utah. In Seattle, you can go your entire life without anyone ever asking you what you believe about God and Jesus and all of that stuff. You can go your whole life. No one, because they don't want to talk about it, quite frankly. Uh, in Seattle, religion is held way, you know, at, at arm's length and pushed away and it's held under a lot of suspicion. Made being clergy kind of difficult uh, in that. And so you can go your whole life and no one is ever going to, uh, is never going to talk to you about it. Within two days of moving back to Utah, Robin had been asked which church uh, she had gone to, which ward she was a part of. And uh, within two days was already being uh, put into that particular box. In this case, Baptist. (laughs) But people want to know. People want to know where you stand. And I got to say, growing up here in Utah, it was always a mixed bag of blessings and curses, right? Uh, On the one hand, I grew up feeling like an outsider in almost every public setting I went to. In school, in my dating life, I won't get into that. In my, uh, just in every aspect of my social life, uh, I felt like uh, there was something weird about me or I was on the outside and looked at very differently. Everywhere but Clearfield Community Church where I grew up going to church and feeling, you know, like I belonged and like I was a part of that. Uh, So on the one hand, I I felt that way. And on the other hand, I'm very grateful for growing up here in Utah because I don't think I would be a minister today if not being asked over and over and over again what my, my faith was. 
And if I wasn't going to join in with so many of my friends in what they believed, I was left with the question, well, then what, what is it I, I do believe? And that's what led me to Clearfield Community Church, is I started asking that question. Well, what, it, what do I believe in then? And I, because my family didn't go to church, I could have gone my whole life in other places never being asked that. But because of where I lived, I was asked that question, and I took it seriously, and I, I explored. And here I am. Obviously, I made a choice. <laughs> I found those things which I believed in. And so I am thankful, and I give thanks for growing up in this very different part of the world, very different part of the country, where even... Though it was a great place to grow up, I felt ostracized a little bit and on the outside of a, as a bit of an outsider. So the final observation I make about giving thanks in all things, it recognizes that there is more than just what we have and experience here in the world today. I may be broken today, but someday I will be whole. Thank you, God. For that, I may be downtrodden today, but someday I will be in great joy. I may be sick, but someday I will be well. I may be blind, but someday I will see. I may be sick, but someday I'll stand up and walk on two feet. Jesus may be locked up in a tomb today, but come Sunday, He will raise from the dead and live. Amen? This is having an eschatological mindset. That's what we call it in the biz. Uh, it's a theological talk for living in the here and now and in the yet to come. And it is the praise that comes from the psalmist in Psalm 30. You have turned my mourning into dancing. You have taken off my sackcloth and clothed me with joy so that my soul may praise you and not be silent, O Lord my God. I will give thanks to you forever. The psalmist here is under great persecution and oppression and feeling depressed at the beginning of the psalm. And by verse 11, he's anticipating that God was going to turn things around and he's singing praises in advance of that. It is the promise of heaven and an eternal pre peace that he is giving thanks. So we are charged today with giving thanks in all things. And I don't want to I don't want to approach that with some kind of naivete. I don't I don't want to I don't want to suggest to any of us that just slapping a smile on and and you know the power of positive thinking, you know, I'll just buck up there, little soldier, and soldier on. <laughs> no, 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 no. I want to say this, being thankful, learning to be grateful, uh, even in the most dark and difficult times in your life, is a quiver, is a, an arrow in your quiver that you are going to need to combat all of the ugliness that we face in this world. Amen? You get where I'm going? When depression comes, 
It can be one of those arrows we use to fight it off. Uh, thank you, God, for my friends and family. This is a weird image, isn't it? Thank you. <laughs> thank you for those who love me. Thank you for all the ways in which you bless me, even though I'm not feeling particularly blessed right now. I'm seeking out a way to say thanks. Again, it can be a way of resisting. They can steal my property. They can fire me from my job. They can, you know, my, my relationships can fall apart. People can reject me, but they cannot steal my joy and my thanksgiving. Amen? So this is, this is not naivete. It is an important, crucial tool that we use as Christians to make it through. It is something God has given us and it is a gift from that Holy Spirit to be able to say thanks in all things. Paul entreats this to us 2,000 years ago and it's just as important today. Amen? Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, we are grateful. We are grateful. And right now we don't suffer persecution, thank God. But we do suffer. And in those times, give us the strength. Give us the ability to find things we are thankful for and to live into the joy You promise. A joy that transcends our own sorrows. For we know that in our gratitude, we will be lifted out of our mourning and it will be turned into dancing. In faith, we ask this. In the precious name of Christ, amen.